All right, good evening, Facebook and uh, Redemption Church and anyone else uh, that will kind of slowly be trickling in on this. We're really thankful to be with you tonight. Um, As you know, we have been doing a a series uh, kind of on Wednesday nights called uh, Racism, Protests, and Justice, just trying to navigate the complexity um, and the difficult conversation around racism uh, in America, around what that means. Now, the first two weeks have been predominantly uh, speaking to the current situation in our country uh, in regards to racism against our black neighbors uh, across our nation. Um, We wanted to pivot a little bit tonight, and so we have some of our friends visiting with us um, that are Uh, have native backgrounds, have lived on the reservation, that have a lot to teach us that we can learn from and and enter into dialogue in regards to uh, the racism, the difficult conversations that need to be had uh, that sometimes obviously make make us uncomfortable, but hopefully in a way that the Lord and the Spirit will use it to draw us into a greater place of serving Him as the kingdom and as the people of God. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves tonight. Um, Delphina just found out that this is live, and so uh, she thought there was going to be takes that we were going to do, come by with the little trapper thing, but yeah, just cut it together like that's not allowed, but... Uh, so please uh, grant grace as we have this conversation tonight. Um, and so uh, you'll also notice we have a TV set up for uh, another one of our guests, and that was just uh, a miscommunication. Probably was I should have been clearer, so that's on me. Um, and so she was so kind to zoom in with us, and so uh, we'll kind of work our way down the line with some introductions, and then uh, really the idea is to have honest dialogue and conversation tonight. And then a big part of this is we know there's questions and thoughts and comments that you have, and so um, our friends are here to be able to answer those. And so if you have any of those things that pop up based on stuff we've said uh, that you want to confirm or ask a question of clarification, ask that question. Or if there's just something, hey, in this in this space, and I've been desiring to to find an answer to this, what does this mean? So um, in all that, please. Um, Ask those questions, just type those into the chat bar there, and then Anthony will be able to see them um, and then be able to relay those questions. So let's let's work our way through some intros here. And so I'm going to hold the microphone to the computer, and so our first guest can introduce herself. Great. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, so my name is Shania, and I was born and raised in Chinle, Arizona. I moved to Flagstaff in 2012 when I started my undergrad at Northern Arizona University. Um, And it was actually the winter of that year that I started going to Redemption. And I've been living in Flagstaff ever since. And it was only just last week that I moved back to Chinle officially. I think at the beginning of the pandemic or at least at the beginning of March is when I moved back to Chinle to just help family and um, the reservation has just been hit so hard. Different reservations throughout our nation, but especially the Navajo Nation has seen, um, has really taken a toll. So I moved back just to be in, in this community and with my people and with my family and to help in whatever ways I can. So I'm happy to be here. Super thankful for you. We'll pass this on down. Uh, here, you, yeah, you want to pass that there? Yep. Sure. I'm uh, Tom Johnson, and this is my wife, Delphina. And I uh, taught school. I was a teacher and administrator on the Navajo Nation just north of Chin Lee in a small community called Mini Farms uh, for 25 years. And then we moved to Flagstaff uh, four years ago. 
and we are on staff with the navigators specifically working with the native nations and we are members of redemption and have just been blessed by uh, just their receptiveness and uh, wanting to communicate uh, these and talk around these tough issues so thanks it's overly kind <laughs> Hi, I'm Delfina Johnson. I'm my, I grew up on a reservation, Navajo reservation, not in Chinle. It's a small little community called Beishbitwa. And uh, yeah, I lived there all my life until went off to college and uh, came to faith in college. I didn't grow up in the church and moved home after I graduated and live life and that's where I met Tom. Tom was a teacher and I was a teacher and yeah, started life together. <laughs> Sparks flew, emotions ran high. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. And we have three kids. Uh, Levi is 15, Bethany 13, and Naomi is 11. Yeah, so we're right in the middle of the teenage years. Hope we survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you said a nice thing, but listen, this wasn't like, it's because you said a nice thing, but you hopefully know this, how much we respect, love, are thankful for how much you guys continue to serve. And honestly, continue to have grace with, with us even in the midst of it as well, because I know we make mistakes and we say things that aren't right and we're in a learning process. So part of that and part of this really tonight is, is not just for the people on the other side of the camera, but really for us as well. And so thanks so much, honestly, for being here. It means a ton to us. So um, let's let's jump right in. So th the racial tension in America right now is palatable. Um, protests are happening, all this stuff. And in the span of, of 10 days, you had multiple videos come out that caused um, many people to just Right in real pain, lament, sadness, and that which led to so much of what we're seeing in our country right now. So, um, as as a native person, and then as as one who is married, right, kids, and then has lived on the reservation, just what what just what happens in you guys? I'm just really curious about that as you begin to see the racial tension, not necessarily with the Native American people in our country right now, although that's there and we're going to get to that. But as you see these injustices across the country. What happens in the heart, in your hearts, is, is something that I'd be interested to hear. And Shania, if we could start with you, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember just my response when I first saw those videos. And I can't remember what exactly those emotions were, but I know the after emotions that I was feeling was deep discouragement and sadness. Like, I was just so mournful for what was happening and especially to to see not just the violence that was happening but also people's response to that was just as equally devastating and hard for me um, just because you saw such division of people asking questions or feeling that these violent acts were merited in some way so it was just it was for me it was a lot of sadness and discouragement and lament like I there was true just profound lament on my side and I think it just continued to kind of snowball as more and more footage was being put out on social media and as more discussion and as the protests were happening um, yeah, so that was just, that was my response. And I think to an extent that's still my response and that's still what I'm 
sifting through and, and working through. Thanks. I think um, for me personally, it was, wow, it obviously hit a lot of deep woundings. Uh, I could easily uh, anchor them to memories of growing up and having um, moments of prejudice happening to me as a child right. from majority culture people. And to say that um, I, I, I knew that was fact, you know, it's factual, it's there, it's happening. But to me, for me as an indigenous person who has, who come, who grew up in a world where I thought I was part of the majority culture. Hmm. And then wow. to move off the reservation, go to college, and then all of a sudden you realize I'm not part of the majority. I am actually minority, and people don't understand me. And then to, for people to begin to make assumptions of me based on my skin color mm -hmm. was really difficult. So for me to see that just constantly gets weary, and you just grieve it, I yeah. think, deep, deep in your heart. And there's moments where I just want to turn off the TV and I don't I, I don't want to process it well wow. but of course I have teenagers and they're opening up their social media and they want to have the conversations Wow. Tom is really good about <laughs> having these conversations with the kids sometimes I think I I probably feel like I need that space to just grieve it yep and then I also react out of saying okay Lord in all of this deep pain how do you want me to move out of you know because it's easy enough for me to to uh be consumed by the anger and you you all yeah. of a, i want to be so angry at majority culture people and that's i'm just being real here <laughs> yeah and that's what we all need yes <laughs> yes and that's hard and 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 i have to go back to back to scripture back to the word where god expresses love grace and mercy and what he's done for me and to to move out of that i guess is kind of a, a big piece for me in 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 that time um you know we walked in here 10 minutes before this began i was gonna say i was gonna tell vincent anthony i'm like hey guys i'm not really feeling it i'm feeling really weary here i'm really tired but I'm gonna do this, yeah. you know? And so I'm just being honest yeah. with, with, with that also. No, that makes a ton of sense. And that, I mean, honestly, I think that's the, the sentiment that people of color continue to bring up, you know? And so even as we've had these conversations and, and not just the public ones, but all the private conversations that, you know, people of color, our Native American brothers, sisters, our black brothers, sisters, Hispanics, Latinos, as you get into it, our Asian Americans, you know, so it's, you begin to understand that these conversations just don't stop, you know, that one of the privileges of not being a person of color is to be able to just say, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about that today. I don't have to think about that today. Yeah. And, and that's just not a reality for so many of you. So thanks for still being here and, and talking with us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think for me, it, it was just frustration mm -hmm. and saying, uh, you know, what is it going to take for us to begin to have a just honest and open dialogue about these situations and, 
and all that's happening. Um, I think for me, what hit me the most was just the responses and reactions from people on social media um, and just kind of knee-jerk um, responses to, well, what was going on? You know, how, he, he did something in order to uh, deserve this and not openly necessarily say that, but that was kind of the mm. alluded to in some ways, to those right, things. Right. And I think, um, you know, it, I, I began and it was a, it was a choice and Delphine and I talked about, it, I said, I'm getting ready to enter into the arena, you know, and I felt like gladiator. I was walking out there and, and all these, I mean, everything just started to come at you, come at me, uh, just with, you know, uh, people were using, well, I'm colorblind and, and mm -hmm. I don't see color, you know, and I will, I go, well, that's kind of a silly, yeah. silly response, you know. Can, uh, let's just, can, I mean, we don't need to wait to ask that question later. You've brought it up, and especially to, to Native American people, the indigenous people, man, that's been a, an active effort to, to remove culture in some way. So I don't want to answer that for you, but I would love, could you talk to that specifically in this, in this area of it? Yeah. Anybody? So, where did you start? Yeah. So, my response, and, and I always want to go take it back to scripture because that seems to bring me some comfort. Because in, in political positions or upbringing or worldview, uh, people taking those positions, we're not going to solve these problems. We, it's going to be solved through Jesus, and He Come has on. the answers for, yeah. for all of those, all these things that we are, that we are talking about. Um, so my response is, you know, um, that's a ridiculous and dumb, dumb response, <laughs> you know, um, but that uh, Jesus uh, walked around all, all the time. It was His ministry to say, I see you. Oh, and, and it was all about culture. It was all about people. It was, it was entering into people's uh, hurts and into people's woundings. And I can, we can go into Scripture. We can go into Matthew 5, and, and we can talk about the Beatitudes and, and Jesus saying, I see you. Yes. And, and entering into that pain um, of, of people. Um, we can look at the uh, John 4, and we can look at uh, the Samaritan woman, which is great. Uh, Jesus was entering into cultural woundings, social woundings, uh, you know, you just, you name it, he was breaking like a lot of the rules entering oh, into yeah. those. But he's basically what he was saying is, I see you, but I actually even see more than what you think I see. Right. And I'm willing to enter into that with you, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, seeing people is, is super important. And, and, you know, only majority culture says that. I've, I've never heard a person of color say I'm colorblind because it's really an insult saying I don't see you. Right. Um, and, and we were talking as we were coming over here, we were, I was saying, you know, when you walk into these botanical gardens, we walked into one in Florida one time, and you look at all these flowers, and you're going, these things are amazing. <laughs> you just don't walk in there and say flower. Right, right. These are flowers, right? You know, right. You, you, you look at the differences in the colors and the, and the things, and that's all throughout creation. You know that, right. that we see the beauty in this tapestry. That's good. That is the just variation unique. is what makes that visit beautiful, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Shania, if you wanna. Yeah, I think even from the very beginning, because this was one of the verses that I kept going to was Genesis one twenty six. So God created man in His own image, and says so this idea of 
image bearing. Like before we can begin to have these conversations, we need to truly know what it means to be created in God's image. And there's so many deep levels of what it means to be an image bearer. And all those levels just give us, um, I think, reason and incentive to treat people with dignity, especially people of color. And I think in traditional Western American culture, we have a history of stripping people of that dignity and stripping them of the personhood um, as image bearers. We see it with um, enslaved people. They were treated as property, Native Americans as well. That image bearer status was stripped from us to the point where even within our own culture, we don't get to see ourselves as those valued individuals that God has called all people um, to be. And so for me, I, I went back to the very beginning because I grew up, I grew up in the church and a lot of, when I became a Christian, what was being taught to me was you don't participate in your culture you don't participate in these traditional ceremonies. And there was a time where I was very confused because I was growing up on the Navajo Nation. I was feeling very proud to be Navajo. Um, but I, as a Christian, I was being told that this is, this is your, your new identity and like everything else you just don't associate with. And I really struggled with that. And as I continued to grow and as I continued in my walk with the Lord, and as I, I realized that he loved my people. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my culture actually, like it glorified and magnified God and how glorious he is. And to know that when we come before our Lord, every tribe, nation, and tongue will be there. Mm-hmm. And the Navajo people, like his people won't be complete until we too are there. And so for me, like as I continued my walk with God, that stripping process that I was being taught fell away. And now it's kind of, everything's, it's like a sculpture and all this color and this fragrance, so many good things are being contributed. And I'm recognizing what it looks like to be created in his image. Um, But there is a lot of breakdown that has to happen, a breakdown of structure and having those conversations and kind of understanding the history that has taken place to bring us to this point where even today we would say, don't affiliate with indigenous culture. So, so many, so many things to say. Um, but at the heart of it, I just want to highlight and really challenge people to think about what it means to be made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's mm-hmm. great, Shana. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when I, so I think the first time I saw that phrase, I don't see color, was on Facebook. And boy, the pit of my stomach. I mean, oh. I just, it was kind of like being on a roller coaster, you know, when you feel. It just the bottom just, just comes drops. Out, drops out. Yeah, right. I mean, totally. like, it, wait just, a yeah. it just leaves this feeling of sickness. That um, how do you even respond to this? I mean, it obviously needs to be responded to, or should I respond to it? 
and is this person you know a lot of times on social media people just want to say things but do they really want to mm -hmm. have the conversation and I just I think I've learned to just read it or I just unfriend people <laughs> <laughs> right. it's just too much sometimes um, and so for me I, I would strongly disagree obviously that there is no color of course there is color I mean mm -hmm. I've lived it all my life and, and the distinction that people make you know when I walk into a convenience store and people you know it's so funny Tom and I will go into a convenience you know into a store and they don't even know where to get I'm like stop I mean of course I have you know but anyway the yeah and there's been times I feel like they treat him better than they treat me and um and I just I'm like do I see that in Flagstaff I was thinking to myself I kind of played this you know, I went, I went to several stores and I did it and there was moments yeah. where I had that happen. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, to walk that out in this day and age, I thought to myself was, was really hard. Um, and I, I think that Shania touched on a really crucial issue that um, we who are of faith, who've made a... You know, we've decided as indigenous people to follow Christ. Um, it's really hard because the issue now is that we're seeing among indigenous people is why would you believe in a God that was brought through colonization, yeah. who was, you know, they desire to strip you of your culture and right. make you become a part basically of the majority culture and so that's hard and I think that as you know we do ministry we have a, a love for the Lord and a passion to reach indigenous people <clears throat> excuse me that's the the question uh -huh. that I feel like we really need to address and talk about and the whole issue of where do we walk that line of remaining in our cultural context or like Shania said, um, to have to feel like you're, you have to forsake that to become part of this culture. That's been a big piece of my life as right. well, coming to faith. Um, if I go back and I came to faith in college at 21 and the journey began of walking out what it truly meant to be a follower of Jesus. But in, in the middle of that, I was dishonoring my parents because my parents aren't believers. And there were times that my parents would call and say, oh, by the way, we're, you know, we're going to butcher a sheep. We'd love for you to come join us on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Right. But I had been trained yeah. to go to church on Sunday. Right. And I would say, no, no, mom, dad, I have to do this. And I look back on that time now and it grieves me mm -hmm. that I would say that. And um, so there's things that I have been taught through the church that I thought was it, it was more of a cultural right you know decision as opposed to scriptural what the word of god was saying and, and instead of taking the word of god where yeah that's really good so you, you all kind of brought this up and so i think it can as somewhat seamless transition into this next part of just how did we get here like why why did the church move 
right? Navajo and indigenous people this direction. And so if we could talk about a little history, which uh, I grew up in the South and uh, Andrew Jackson was somewhat of a hero. He has a national monument in Louisiana. And, uh, and I, I learned about the Trail of Tears from a very different lens. Um, I learned about Columbus and some of the conquest of America uh, in a very different history that I know my indigenous brothers and sisters seem to know much clearer than I did and, and continue to this day too. And so I, I, was, I was told once that it's really difficult to find a true way forward without a common history. Um, and so if we could somewhat maybe try and, and move us together to have a, more, of a, more of a shared history tonight, I think that'd be helpful. So. I don't even know where to begin. I don't want to just say 1492 and then let's go there. But, you know, I'll lean on you and say, like, where's a good spot yeah. to just open up this massive elephant that is the history of the treatment of Native and Indigenous people in our country? And whoever wants to go, Schneif, whenever you want to pop in, just, just say, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Say something. Um. I can jump in. I honestly don't know where to start either. And when I was thinking about it, I didn't know where to begin because like you said, do we start at the beginning? Um, it, it's everything's kind of on top of each, each other. And then there's also the reality that a lot of this history has never been taught. Um, and again, it's that stripping process where I had a conversation with a second grade boy. I'm a PE teacher at Flagstaff Christian School. And I had, well, several conversations, but one was with a second grade boy who didn't know that Native Americans existed. They continue to exist today, even though he has classmates mm. who are Navajo. Wow. And I told him like, oh, I'm Navajo too. Um, and he's like, well, what do you live in? Mm. And it was so mm. just mind blowing to me because he's lived in Flagstaff his whole life and there's still this disconnect. Mm -hmm. And there was another instance where we were, um, I, I stepped in to sub for one of my coworkers who was out sick and the kids had to do this reading. So these are now fourth graders and the reading is about pilgrims and the pilgrims coming over and they did mention Columbus and some of the people who came before them and that was really hard for me to sit and kind of I was just listening to them read I had them read aloud and they were taking turns and so much of the reality and the truth of what had actually happened was being glossed over and wasn't being told correctly and I mean, even today in our schools, we just aren't having conversations. And like you said, Vince, like your perspective of Columbus is certainly different from most indigenous people. Although even for myself, because I grew up mm. with Western education, I also didn't get to hear my people's stories yeah. or any other indigenous people's stories until I was much older. And then I started asking questions like, this this doesn't add up or why are these people mad at Columbus or even today why are we calling for Columbus's statues to be taken down and you look back and you see 
just this history of abuse and genocide and again seeing reading Columbus's actual journals and seeing that the highest level that he felt an indigenous person an indigenous person could achieve was servitude like that was the highest level of occupation or even aspiration that he felt we could meet and so I don't know there's just so much there's textbooks that aren't telling a full rounded story um and so even even everything that I just said it it's so momentous and it's so broad like it's hard to just kind of focus things down and know where to start because this has been going on since since Columbus so um yeah, I, I don't think I necessarily gave us a starting point, but those are just kind of the first things that came to mind. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is such a... So we won't go through... We can't get into all of this within this amount of time. Yeah, I, I mean, mean unless just, you go it's, real fast. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. I... So, so what we'll do is at the end of this, we will post Tom's phone number <laughs> and uh, his call. You know, and I think that's just part of the lamenting process is to, for us as majority culture, to enter into a place. And that's where we can start, an inclusive historical record mm-hmm. um, of uh, just us as a nation or us as in, 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 the, in a fallen world, you know. Um, you know, Shania mentioned these things, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I go back to, you know, a, a papal bull in 1490s where it was the doctrine of discovery. And it yeah. was kind of entered into the era where um, it was the manifest destiny. So you yeah. plant your flag, you plant your cross, right. and then everybody within that land region or wherever is servitude to the to the church and to right. the country that that comes in right and uh makes that claim and so that's and, what and we just see. and just to really clarify like that was a like a, a dictum from the church like the church said you go and and so just so real clear how dirty our hands are <laughs> yes you know so yes. yeah yes and so then we we we, we fast forward into um, even even in the formation of our country and and I am a, a great patriot and I love America I, I, I love I love our freedoms and 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 a lot of what we do is 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 good but there's certain things there's blood on our hands there's certain things that that we need to reconcile and lament yeah and it's okay. It's just we're a big family, and we can do that. And we do that as a family, and we do that as a nation, and we need to do that well. America's not great at lamenting. The church is not great at lamenting. Mm. Um, but it's something that we need to be enter into, and I think we're being forced into that. Yes. Um, and I right. think we, we've seen it now. I'll, I may mention some of those things. But I, we look at the Declaration of Independence, or we look at the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. You know, and we looked at blacks are three fifths of a human being. Right. We looked at look at read through there, and we see that uh, Indians are uh, merciless savages. You know, and so to this day, like, to this is day, still it's the still writing, in, right? Yeah. And so was that right for all? Was that you know uh, for everybody? Was the was the Declaration of Independence for everybody? And, it, and obviously, you could come away and say, well, it's it's not for me. Yeah. That was not written written for for me so i think um yeah i mean where do you go i mean it, it we've we've done 
taken groups to uh, Sand Creek and walked through a lament of uh, General Shivington and, and the, the murder of, you know, 300 plus men and women, and mostly women and children. Um, you know, the genocide that's taken place. And, and, and my mind goes to David and you know there was a famine in the land and and david uh, kind of wonders what's going on and and god tells him he said there's there's blood and i and i i need to look up some of these these scriptures i haven't written down but you know there's blood um on your hands that's right and and it's and it's crying out to me so Mm -hmm. you need to go to the gibeonites and you need to ask um you, you need to get an audience with them and basically, um, you know, David could have said, "Well, it wasn't me. I didn't do that." Yes, it wasn't my generation. It was it was Saul that did that, and it was Joshua that made the the covenant um, with the Gibeonites. Um, and so that's that's those kind of scriptures are things that we need to wrestle with, and we look at it, and we look at the five hundred treaties that were broken. Yes, uh, by the U.S. That's us, um, and. And, and, and 500 treaties that we were enter, entered into and 500 treaties that were broken in some, in some way. And so the blood cries out. And I, and I believe that we're seeing uh, the results of that. I think that, there's, that we need to enter into an, a lament mm-hmm. uh, and, and ask those hard questions. Yes. Um, and so it's such a complicated and, and very uh, hard conversation. But Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. All right, Delphine, you tackle the rest. <laughs> the rest, the rest, the rest of the history. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, for me personally, I think that um, I, I just thinking about history um, for years when I, you know, Tom and I probably have done a lot of travel throughout the country. And my first thought every single time I go somewhere is who were the original inhabitants? That honestly is wow. my first thought. Who were the inri- or the original inhabitants? I think when we were engaged and we went to Indiana, I remember the first time going Midwest. I'm like, wow, there's no native people here. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Who were here first? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking for books. I'm asking people. Who were the original? People don't even know. People don't know, right. And then I'm looking it up, you know, find books. Well, it was the Miami Indians, you know, and I'm like, well, who were the Miamis? And so, you know, even going to Florida, I mean, that has always been my original thought. Who walked these lands first? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are, I see it, you know, in the past that way. I think um, early on when I was probably 18, I mean, I, I like to read and obviously I was never given a full, complete history growing up on the Navajo Nation with the, the, the schooling that I got, you know, and unfortunately, I remember just picking up this book and it looked kind of interesting. It was by <laughs> D. Brown. Um, it's called um, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. I'm like, oh, this looks kind of, and my mom, it was actually my mom's book. I, I remember picking it up and I started reading it. I remember reading through the whole thing and um, it was very painful. And at, at a young age, I didn't, I was 17, didn't know what to do with all that because I didn't know who to go to to have a conversation because this would have been, what, 80, 84? Right. It wasn't really a, a, right. a, a common conversation. And I remember 
feeling the grief and, and anger, and I just didn't know what to do with it. And I think in my heart, I just put it on the shelf, that whole emotional piece that came with history. And I left it there for many years. And about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I felt the Lord stirring in my heart that I need you to go back there. And well, it still brings me to tears because, I mean, I have these moments with the Lord where I'm, I have wrestling moments where I know he's pushing me to do this, but I'm like, that's too painful. And I said, I remember in some ways making this decision with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I will begin to read the full history um, because I have children now and I want to give them that. Wow. And then the other piece for me was like, I know it's very painful. I know it's there in me, deep in me, the woundings that I haven't even really touched. And I can't go back there unless you hold my hand. Wow. And you've got to lead me because you've got to show me your footprints in this history. Where were you when all the atrocities happened? And I don't like to <clears throat> to cry in public in some ways but I mean those are my personal laments yeah. and conversations with the Lord and as I really began to look at it and, and go there and grieve it and mourn it I began to have a fuller picture and the Lord was there and um, I think one thing that was beautiful to me uh, was uh, yeah beautiful in that at the time, 19, between uh, the early 1900s on, they began, the, the federal government began to take um, native kids and put them into residential boarding schools. And as they began to put them in there, they began to, for the, you know, to obviously to strip them of their culture, their language, and so forth. And the language piece was big for me when I remember seeing that. and. I remember into the 20s and into the 30s, I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, I remember reading this, I, I don't know, being Navajo, I was like, where did the Navajo co-talkers mm -hmm. come into play right, in right. World War II? I was like, that, I never heard that story. So I remember looking it up, and um, really interesting story. If you haven't read it, it's really, um, look it up. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, <clears throat> right around the early uh, 1900s, there was a, 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 a white, a majority culture family who were missionaries who came to the loop area mm. loop is like what 30 miles away yeah. <clears throat> and they lived among the you know the navajos there and they had a little boy who was about four or five and he had no other playmates except the little navajo boys running mm. around who spoke full full navajo he learned a language wow he learned a language well fast forward to the 19 what late, uh, I don't know, 1937, 30s, yeah, 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 right about then when they began to, World War II was imminent and they needed a, you know, a secret language. And um, this man is now, you know, this little boy is now a grown man. He's living in Los Angeles. He reads, somehow finds out that the um, armed forces are interested in finding something. And so he goes to them and proposes, why don't you use the Navajo language? Jeez. And they said, oh, that's an interesting idea. Well, you were, you bring some men in to show us. So he goes to the Shipyard. shipyards and recruits some Navajo men who oh speak gosh. the language. I did not know this background. Yeah. Wow. And he brings them in, and that's how 
that's the Navajo language comes in as that secret language. Now think about this. That parallels history when the kids are still being pulled away from Navajo kids, native kids, indigenous kids are still being pulled away from their parents, putting in residential schools. You talk, you, you speak your language, we wash your hands out. You're disciplined, harshly wash disciplined. Soap, yeah. And at the same time, wow. this language. It's being used to yeah. literally save and win the war. Yeah. I know, it does, right. right? And I'm just like, Lord, thank you so much that this is a big piece we don't talk about, mm-hmm. the beauty. There, God, again, showed me his footprints. Those little stories like that, as I began to look, mm. God began to show who he was to me wow. in history. So, yeah, it, it's, so please understand that we all have individual journeys of how we process. Right the woundings and the pains and there's so much to that you know my parents my mom grew up in a boarding school she was stripped away from her family at five my father they did not find him till he was 12 or 13 so those formative years for my father is what I was taught growing up the very traditional worldview mm-hmm. of a Navajo mm-hmm. and it's beautiful mm-hmm. You know, my mom, she deferred to my father because she lost it all. She was stripped of it. So you see a lot of that, too. Can, so, yeah. Can you say that again? That, <clears throat> in the schools? Because I, I, I think we don't realize. I know you guys can't hear me on the thing or whatever, but yeah. we don't really, Like, this is your mom. Yeah. This isn't your great-grandma. This my mom. your grandma. This mm-hmm. is your mom. Can you talk through that a little bit more? Because I know from talking before, just hearing right. your story with... With, with that and the boarding schools and I grew up off of Indian School Road in Phoenix and mm. off of 7th Street until 15 or 20 years ago you'd see the boarding schools there yeah that's um, where my mom went Indian Steel Park now but yeah um, yeah could you share more of that if are you you don't sure have to, but... sure um, obviously it was it was man it was a, a law that kids be put in school indigenous kids across the country were pulled from their family structures and put into residential schools. And some of them went as far as three or four states away from their families to strip them. Um, My mom says that, you know, she has 10 siblings and slowly all of them were were taken out and they knew it was just the law. You know, the federal, you know, agents would come and find the kids and they would take them if they didn't you know, my, my, you know, my grandfather took my mom, my mom and her sisters in. And so, yes, you know, and the interesting thing my mom just shared with me recently was like they get to school and the first Sunday hits and they, the, the dorm aides say, okay, you need to choose which church you're going to go to, mm-hmm. this church or this church. So this is the Catholic church. This is the Protestant church. Mm-hmm. You decide. And this, th- this is five years old, five-year-old girl. She's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. And so she says, the only reason I ended up going to the Catholic church is because my older cousins were going to the Catholic church. And that was my only connection. That's how I made the choice to go in that direction. But growing up, um, I think, you know, it's so interesting. I just was having a conversation with my sister, my older sister who came to visit me this evening right before we showed up here and we were talking about how um, 
just remembering how we are upbringing by our parents. You know, my parents are still together and still alive. And my mom was always very disattached emotionally. It was my father who was the loving one. To this day, I mean, I love my mom and I extend her much grace. And um, She cannot say I'm sorry. My, I've never heard my mom say I'm sorry for anything she's done wrong. My father is quick to be emotional and say and speak to us love and nurturing words in Navajo because that's his dominant language. So I see that in my mom, she's come out of 12 years mm -hmm. of the residential schools. She's had to protect herself. She's had to disattach herself from her emotions. And it's because she's had to survive. Mm -hmm. um, and there's many things that have happened that they don't really share with us, but I know there's deep woundings. And yes, that is passed on generationally. Yep. And we wonder in, in, right. in the city of Phoenix why we see so many homeless people or alcoholics and we're dysfunctional quick, families. dysfunctional families, we're quick to judge. And yet we've been stripped of that mm -hmm. generation after generation. And, um, yeah, that's that's very painful yep. to, to to walk through. I imagine. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, no, and so so now we're basically into about the second generation yeah. of non-compulsory boarding school, um, and so we have a generation that is, I guess you to use the word retribalizing, hmm. where the assimilative practices are, have have gone away. So the Bureau of Indian Education that was part of the, the, right. what they did was to assimilate to strip culture and yeah. and to assimilate um the bies no longer like that and they celebrate culture and and and, and these things but um yeah and how does that impact families how does that in, impact um uh, family structures when you're not in that that loving and nurturing environment and learning those things um and so yeah i think we see a lot of the results of that um and the compulsory boarding school system um you know ran from 1880s all the way up into the 1970s yep and so it was it was required that those kids come and and and, and uh, live in these boarding schools and there was a, a consorted effort to uh, divide families and send so your your aunts all went to different boarding schools all the way from oklahoma to phoenix to california, california. um yeah, that's that's. And they communicated through writing letters. Yeah, they're great at writing letters for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really interesting. My mom today, she loves to text us. No. <laughs> and you know, that's yeah. when she's she, that's where she says, "She as your my my little one, I love you." Huh. That's how she can do it. That's how yeah. she can do it. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So, Aunt, um, would you hand him the mic? So, I, I think you know. Sometimes, even as as Delfino brought up earlier, you know. So, we're we're often trying to um, say, like, you know, we need to be having, we need to be at the forefront of sharing a lot of this as well, because oftentimes, right, our people of color, brother and sisters, are just tired, yeah. right? And so, I'm I'm going to put you on the spot a little <laughs> bit and just say, okay, fix that, you know. So, but. Growing up in Phoenix, I mean, you yeah. lived off of Indian School Road. Yeah. I mean, you, you grew up there. Um, but also, uh, I know you know some of the history as well. So could you just take a moment and share some of your thoughts 
So, and, and if you could even just bullet point for us some of just, these are some of the grievous things from a historical perspective that I know you've prayed about, yeah. you know, we're ministering in. So, Yeah, I mean, just hearing your guys' church, you know me, I'm going to probably cry a bit here. Um, you know, just even the how you guys hear, I don't see color. How how my my indigenous brothers and sisters hear that, uh, like that's so painful. Like you hear it as, like co- like colonization. You hear it as I see, I see you as equal as long as you act like me. And and you know because I I think the average white guy or whoever says that they're trying to say I see everybody equal, and they don't see how there's such a history that brings hurt with that. And that often they're not going to be saying that when you guys embrace your culture. And mm, yeah. um, so I th- I, I, I've been like just hearing your guys' thoughts on, on that, just that phrase. I, I've been like, man, like, like even just that roller coaster feeling that you talked to in Shania, the things you were saying. So I, I think there's that. I, I, uh, so I went to church past uh, the boarding schools mm-hmm. growing up it was and I remember at a young age asking my dad uh, what are what are these buildings you know they were abandoned at the time is the 90s mm-hmm. or whatever and so uh, and he knew he knew he said those those are the old boarding schools and, and I actually I'm thankful for my dad like he really knew the history pretty mm-hmm. well yeah. so at a young age I'm hearing this is what happened you know, as a kid, I'm going like that would be like horrible, you know. And uh, and I was just saying this to Vince the other day. I feel like I've been blessed because I had these teachers throughout my years who actually did teach some a, a good amount of indigenous history. And I feel like if they weren't in my life, I would have I would be blind to this stuff. I would be the, I I would be the guy saying, I don't see color, you know, or or and. So, yeah, I mean, at church, I just think, like, even what I, I don't know if you heard me on the mic, because I know Daphne was holding the mic at the time, but, like, I wanted her to share that her mother went to one of these boarding schools. Like, we, we like, something I'm, I'm honestly, like, just saddened and tired by church is a bunch of guys that look like me or gals that look like my sister and... And saying like it wasn't me that did it. It wasn't my like. What am I supposed to do? This was so long ago, and it's like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago. And so I I just think there's sometimes where it's like, man, how your family operated growing up was affected by the boarding schools. And so if we as Christians aren't gonna come in and care and love you guys in that so I, I don't know I'm rambling here a bit but like I just there's just like a brokenness that we need to feel and we need to see the atrocity and evil of taking a five-year-old and not even that like especially like with Tom you're saying uh, or Dafina, I think it was saying you got huge Catholic or Protestant or AG or whatever it is like how extremely evil is that and so the church as Christians, when we go in, we're talking to our indigenous brothers and sisters and they're hesitant. No wonder. No wonder. So I, I don't know. That's my That's, rambling thoughts. Yeah. Yep. And so um, 
maybe let me just ask this question. Let me put this out there to you, to you, whoever's watching, and um, you know, if you could, it, we said this at the start, but just in case you missed it, um, please ask questions. If there are questions that you have um, that you'd love for them to answer, um, you know, just please write that down, and, and Anthony will moderate that for us. And so, don't feel hesitant. We really want to have that open dialogue and discussion. Um, and so, again, be able to feel, feel free to do that. So, um, if you could recommend. Uh, a, a book, a video, or something specifically on trying to learn more of this history, because obviously, again, we're, we didn't cover uh, one one hundredth of it, probably, right? Mm -hmm. So, what, what would be like? This would be the great place to start when it comes to learning a, a bigger history of of what's happened. We actually have a whole list that we compiled. Oh, great, Tom Tomkin. You want to go down the list here? Oh, I don't know if I can go down all <laughs> oh, wow. of them, but we I think I think we could make it yeah. available. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll um, definitely send it out. So right. this is just a resource that we put together for um, during Navigators has gone through a cultural development process for the last six years, um, and it's been very painful, uh, but it's been very beneficial and great for for our um, organization. Uh, but we put this together for the staff to begin to enter into some uh, education, educating themselves about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, these around these issues and reading in, uh, reading an inclusive history. Um, and so a lot of these authors are, in, are people of color because we know through studying scripture or, or um, interpretations yeah. of scripture uh, that people of color a lot of times interpret things very differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and Delfina illuminates that all the time. I think a great one, just in general to start, is uh, what you had said, you know, Bury My Heart at uh, Wounded Knee, uh, which is uh, D. Brown, and that's, uh, that's just a very good historical overview of indigenous people within America. And so that's, that's, that's a great one to start, but we can make this available. That'd be great. Uh, some of these reads are super hard. Um, movies as well yeah and then we have um, we have a list of movies that we also recommend Ken Burns uh, the the West yeah. that's really a great um, look at uh, the West and an historical uh, documentary of, of uh, maybe manifest destiny there's um, some great movies that have come out uh, like hostels uh, is is a good one. Uh, Netflix, I think that's on Netflix. Indian Horse, which is about the boarding schools, mm -hmm. which is a great one. Some of these are very hard to watch, but uh, you know, Canada really uh, went through the same thing of the boarding schools with the indigenous people up there as well. Very similar to what uh, was here in the U.S. Um, any others that you want to, you know, another one, great one is uh, which is very similar. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Rabbit Proof Fence, <laughs> and it's about um, the uh, Aboriginal tribes in Australia going through a, the same boarding school system, similar system. And so a lot of these schools were run by the church, and the government gave uh, grants or you know money for the churches to come in uh, to run these boarding schools. And so um, there's there's that history. Uh, and then the assimilative practices from the missionaries that came out in Shania uh, spoke to that a little bit. Um, just that, you know, you need to uh, check your ethnic identity at the door and mm -hmm. embrace 
uh, a Western context, right? Uh, and a lot of paternalism around uh, that context, um, and, and and that's very difficult. I mean, checking into uh, trading in one stain sin stain culture for another sin stain culture, uh, and not valuing. And so when people say we hear this a lot uh, of missionaries. You know, and I cringe when I sometimes use that word among indigenous people. Uh, when you hear them say, well, three to four percent of indigenous people have a faith in Christ. And they just can't for the life mm. of them figure out what what's the problem, you know. And a lot of it is just not in allowing people uh, and affirming people in their ethnic identity. Mm -hmm. for, and we call that we call that first birth. Yeah. Your first birth, the skin that God gave you. And we celebrate yeah, that, that skin, right. you know, and to and we found that if we celebrate people in their identity, it, it moves us into a second birth and a birth in Christ. And, and you know, Paul talked about that with Peter and there's just all this, you know, um, uh, eating food sacrificed to idols. And he's like, what are you crazy? You're going to yeah, relationships right. and, you know, or you're trying to be, you're a Jew and you're trying to be a, you're a Gentile, but you're asking Jews to you know, Gentiles to be Jews and what, how you're confused, you know. And so there's a lot of scripture around just celebrating people. And Shania also referenced Revelation 7, 9, that, that, that uh, mm -hmm. every tribe and tongue and nation will stand before the throne. And that's uniquely to be uh, celebrated and identified. Right. And if it was different, then he would have said, everybody just stood before the throne and, and, and you know, celebrated. Yeah. You know, and, but he didn't. He felt it was really important to uniquely identify yeah. tribe, tongue, and nation because that's part of his creation to be celebrated. Can I tag on? I don't want us to miss what Tom was just telling us, church. So what you're saying that because of colonization, there's this act of love and restoration where you guys are, are, are almost saying like, man, I, we want you to embrace your first skin. And that like softens people to the gospel. And so that then they go, okay, because I, 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 I can understand, because you're helping in this deeply restorative act of love. Because you're not colorblind. Because you're not colorblind. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. then, then the God, like, it's almost like you're making their hearts a, a, a <laughs> like good soil for the gospel. Yeah, and in, 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 in um, I think a lot of minority cultures, um, there's something to be said about the gospel moving towards them mm -hmm. and embracing them and accepting them for who they are. In a Western culture, we we understand sin, we deal with sin, and then we move towards the gospel. And so there's kind of this, there's a little bit of a different, so when we look at missiology among indigenous people, um, it's the love of Christ mm. and the love of God's people that draws them to the gospel. Mm. Um, and, it's, and, and it's very yes. family-based. So we know that if we can reach um, one indigenous person, there's a great chance that we can eventually reach the family because it's really a lot of times a very family-based mm -hmm. uh, decision. Yeah, let me, let me share an ex example of, uh, you know, give you a story to that you know that you know what you're talking about and i think that a few years ago you know we were preparing for a women's retreat and the topic was going to be um about justice <laughs> crazy nice. it was just it was a whole it was a whole new realm of thinking for me anyway so i did a lot of reading and one of the things that i was re i began to read was through genesis 
and then you know Genesis 1 chapter 1 and towards the end of God creating everything he looked at everything that he created including man mm-hmm. and he said it is good that's right and that I had to read that over a few times it is good I'm thinking to myself and I'm generationally man you know God made me with the intent of being good why am I struggling with that yeah why am I struggling with the idea that God created me originally like Shania said to be his image bearer but the idea that we the original intent was I was meant to be good Mm. and yet when I read history it's never for me. It was yeah. never for me. Right. Who was I supposed to cheer for? Right. The cowboys or the Indians? Right. Right. You know, and that was sad, and and I grieved that moment. Fast forward, the retreat happens. It was beautiful. I think a lot of women felt that, and I was later. I was having a conversation with another Native woman in church, and she was actually from the um, uh, Havasupai. That's mm-hmm. right, Havasupai. She came to church. Bottom and of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, bottom of the Grand Canyon. We were having this conversation. I, I was so excited. She looked Navajo to me, so I went up and I was mm-hmm. saying who I was and asked, asking where she was from. And she goes, no, I'm actually here. I'm Havasupai. And she says, yeah, my husband has cirrhosis of the liver. So that's why we're in Flagstaff. And I said, I'm so sorry. And for some reason, I just felt the need to share this scripture with her. And I said, and as I shared, I said, I need you to know. I said, and the original thing, God says we're good. And I looked right in the eyes. I said, therefore, you were meant to be good. And I just, she started weeping. And I'm weeping with her. Because when you, the systemic injustices the indigenous people have gone through in this country, it's real for us. It's in our history. It's in our memories. It's in our family structures. Sometimes you, I was brought up to believe that, you know, traditionally, you don't look at people in the eye when you talk. You always kind of do this, and that's politeness. But when I look at that, I'm like, no, that's shame. That is shame. Right. And I'm like, no. And there's so much to what has happened to us in this country that where where else can I say that my roots are in? You know, like traditionally, we take our umbilical cords and we bury it. That's where we're from. And to acknowledge, I, I don't know any other place to connect myself to. And unfortunately, this is the system in which I grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a lifelong healing process. Of the deep woundings. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Can I say that? Yeah. To inter- interact with, like, what we're seeing a lot on social media, of course, uh, a lot of us, we keep hearing this, like, just preach the gospel. Just preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Just preach the gospel. And if you guys can't hear it, they're, they're bemoaning that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you read the gospels and what Jesus did, he didn't just preach the gospel. He did these acts of restorative love yes. that often resulted in faith. 
Now, sometimes he did those because people already had, like, had faith and were coming to him and all this. But there are these moments where, you know, the widow of Nain comes to mind in Luke 7. This woman does not know him at all. And he does this restorative act in this whole town is re- revolutionized by this act of love. And if you walk, if, we've talked about that before. This is, this is a deep act of love. And so, church, I, I, it sounds catchy. It's set, like the gospel is like primary, mm. but the act of love is, is also like primary too. Like, I don't know. Like, right. there, I, we, we don't have to pit love in the gospel, and we shouldn't have one without the other necessarily. But even like what Delphine was sharing, church, is there will be moments where we'll, we will be loving, and the, we are almost helping hearts get ready for the gospel. Get ready to see who Jesus is and know who he is. And honestly, part of the outworkings of the gospel in our hearts by the Spirit Church is that we are loving and restorative and do these things. And so, yeah. sorry, I, sorry to get on my own whatever. No, uh, I think it's important language yeah. because even when you think through Jesus and the gospel that he preached was a gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and it was the kingdom that was inaugurated in his time to be fulfilled in eternity where everything is perfect and before we get there we're a foreshadow and so really the good news that he was presenting was not just the future when you die then we'll get revelation 7 9 and 10 it's the here and now the kingdom has come man let's see some restoration here right like let us be a foreshadow picture and so even when you start talking through good news and gospel you're you're literally saying that we want to set people free we want to see life here and now you know so even just the idea of preach the gospel i think the sentiment is what you're saying of just just say the four spiritual laws to get people to heaven but that's never what jesus preached yeah. when he said i'm it's bringing the gospel that's far more robust yeah or did yeah, yeah. you know so so that's a difficult part. So I, here's what I'd like to do is if we can um, – so history – sorry, Shania, lots, we haven't – No, we're coming to you right now, Shania. We're coming back to you, Shania. Right now, actually. So um, right, history, and we need to learn. Um, but it's not like, well, okay, 1970 hit, boarding schools were done, and then we've already alluded to the impact of generation after generation, the impact that – these things have had and continue to have but can we zoom in on that specifically even if we can talk about flagstaff and talk about the realities that exist now and here um and then kind of paint that picture and Shania, if i can turn to you first of just saying moving from chin lee to flagstaff and all of a sudden being in what is predominantly a white space and a white city and just even how, how did you navigate that and, and anything really that kind of comes out of, let's talk about the here and now, what is it like in Flagstaff? What are things we need to know? Yeah, thanks, thanks. Um, it was a culture shock when I first came. I went straight to the university and I was running for an AU at the time. And even that culture around running was distinctly different than what I knew running in Shinley and my coach, like running was a form of restoration. It was a form of endurance. It was to help us get stronger. And so I had the culture, the culture of Chin Lee was influencing my experience and I come to Flagstaff and there was kind of a disregard for my understanding of how things should be or, um, yeah, even just church, church was different. I 
what was the culture of running in Chinle? I'm just now curious. You piqued my interest. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. The Zoom dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Great, great program. But, yeah. but what was? No, it was. Yeah. Oh, good. No, just what was that? Yeah, what was that like for? What was your? What were you bringing to the table essentially? It was community. Oh. It was. Yeah, it was essentially we are a community and we run with each other. We run for each other. Wow. Opposed to an AU, which was your worth and value is placed solely on how fast you can run. Wow. And your competition is the person running next to you. There was just that lack of community. Wow. Essentially, um, which I think speaks to kind of over overall culture of the United States. So it was just, it was a culture shock, but I bring up running just because it was such a essential part of my, my life and my upbringing. Yeah, um, let, let me add to that real quick too, because uh, she, she was in an amazing program with, with a guy and Chin Lee and our nephews and a lot of the family. She actually ran with uh, Stephanie, our niece, but, um, and it was a, and, and the coach, taught that running in the Navajo culture is a spiritual act, um, you know, uh, with the creator and his creation, you know, which is a beautiful um, uh, concept. And I remember your dad telling me one time, he says, I get up in the morning and I run because that's when everything's quiet and, 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 and God can hear me. Mm. Things that the world's not right. awake yet, you know, and so it's just a, a, just a very spiritual thing mm. within uh, the Navajo culture. But. And, even, and even in the, you know, so the, and I'm sorry, the kind of the rite of passage moment that your daughters have been, you know, if my parents had made me run to, you know, <laughs> the way, I mean, it was beautiful though, like, and, and just, I can see, Shana, even what you're saying, just from the limited understanding I have yeah. of it does take this different role. So, tell, tell us keep more going, about Shana, some yeah. Of that some of that, um, you know, culture shock that you experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a lot on every, every level. Um, and then to enter into the church culture, which was redemption, which I'm really thankful that redemption was the church that I went to, yes. which was, is the healthiest church I've been to. Because prior to that, there was a lot of spiritual abuse happening in the church that I was going to in Chidley. Mm. Um, and kind of what I, I mentioned of this leave everything traditional and leave that identity and leave it at the door. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was a very interesting juggling act for me. And I was just constantly at the Lord's feet, just kind of like, who am I? And what, what does this mean for my life? And what does this mean for my culture? And um, for myself, I'm biracial. So my dad's half white and half Navajo. And I'm very light complected. And so even for myself, there was a struggle of identity because I identified mm-hmm. as Navajo. Mm-hmm. But even in my school at Shin Lee, I got teased for being white. Mm-hmm. So this issue of kind of race and differences, it, it, it can go both ways. And I've experienced it on both sides. Um, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh no, sorry, someone's posting a comment on Facebook, so I, uh, I was trying to make, to make sure I read it all right, so sorry. Thank you for giving me the I thought you were like right. waving me down. No, no, like, that, um, normally you're right. Good read, but sorry. Um, but I kind of wanted to speak about what I saw also with my family's experience, because I've been to Flagstaff in and out um, for groceries. Like Chinle is a food desert, the whole Navajo Nation is a food desert, and we can kind of talk about those disparities later. But since I started going to NAU, my family started coming to Flagstaff more often to get their groceries so they could see me. And I really noticed just because we were spending more time in Flagstaff on the weekends, how my family was being treated. And there was places where my family wasn't being served. And and this is Flagstaff, this is within the past nine years. Um, and I've always known it to be true. Like I've seen my mom go into stores and having the manager following her around and stopping her at the door and like asking to look through her purse. Like I've, I've seen these realities and they're very, it's hard to talk about. Like my family, they don't talk about it, sometimes they just laugh it off and they say oh like um this one time my mom was wearing a dress and they wanted to like pat her down because they thought she had something under her dress and she she laughed it off and she's like oh i must have gained weight i must look so big that i would have like she was trying to push away kind of this painful moment because it's been happening over the course of her life Mm -hmm. and that was really hard. It's hard to try to be a part of this community and to love this community and be a part of this church when you're seeing these levels of hate and um, overall bias and just kind of hearing people. People don't like Native Americans being here. And that's the really unique thing about indigenous people because we have a reservation that's where you're supposed to be and that's where you're supposed to stay. And if you come off of it, you're in a place where you're not supposed to be. And yeah, I think we're seeing now, um, 2020, just all of those things surface and all of those realities are being brought to light and people are sharing their experiences. Um, And it's hard and it's heavy. And I agree with Delphina that it's, absolutely exhausting Mm. and it's hard to try to defend yourself and to say no this is this is real this is my experience and so many people are saying no this is not your experience or you're misunderstanding something so just taking into consideration our history and just the pain that Delphina has communicated with its historic trauma and generational trauma and even today that abuse and violence is still is still happening Mm -hmm. and so it's like how how can we even begin to get up like i feel like we're just kind of laying on the ground and it's like how do we even begin to to stand because there's so much weight on us Mm -hmm. um yeah it's so there's a lot of really hard things to kind of discuss Mm Yeah, I think, you know, and we've seen it uh, as you study the history, right, of our black neighbors in this country of 
you, and you see there's quote after quote of you know it's like you know you've won and it's usually terrible language so i won't repeat it but you know you've won this person when they no longer fight their oppression you know um when it does become just a joke or it becomes something that they themselves explain away and there's just there's truly something demonic about that like the, the, the amount of deception that then has been poured into you know that reality so and it's become it's it's become a little more underground and not so overt though Shania with the things you said were very obvious but this the microaggressions and it was interesting we were talking to our children uh, today about just that and that um, you know there we're going through some transitions with the kids and and them sharing of some of the experiences that they had and how do you operate in an environment in those environments and confront people with those type of microaggressions uh, i don't know if you want to speak into that but um, that's a hard conversation and then how to how to tell your kids to engage and interact with authority and do that well and safely uh, even though there's some preconceived ideas um, that people come to the table with um, which is unfortunate and it's it has had some impact on on our children um, yeah, I, I think you said it well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little too close to home for me to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Tom, could you give, uh, and I told him, could you give any specifics to that? Because I think there's a lot of people that uh, that hear that term and, and maybe like, I think I understand. Um, but if you can give it a little bit of legs, I think that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, and I understand that, that wanting that um, some of it I can't speak to or speak of. It's just a little bit too raw. But um, I think you know, like my oldest, my son, um, you know, has had a guy kind of was bullying and bullying him, and and was uh, uh, always calling him chief. You know, and and but my son didn't feel secure enough in addressing that directly because this was a bigger kid and then didn't feel uh, that he had the uh, security to be able to go to the school administration mm -hmm. and say hey this is what's happening because I don't think they get it and I think then it would he was afraid that if he did go and share those that those things yes. that it would later come back on him and it right. would even be worse you know and so there's just that that place of Unknowing, or just kind of, you know, it's just kind of hanging out there, and there's no resolution to, to the issue. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's, no, that's, per, that's, that's really one, helpful. That's, yeah, that's one of the examples I can yeah, share. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Do you think you could talk about Flagstaff a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> do you have that in you? <laughs> uh, do I have that in me? You know, Flagstaff has been. Um, moving here four years ago uh, was tough and I we did feel like that was where the Lord is calling us and it's interesting my community has always been indigenous people it's just where I feel the most comfortable and not that I haven't pursued relationships with people uh, outside of indigenous people um, and uh, Tom in particular. <laughs> Tom in 
particular. She wakes up, she wakes up to me. We have reconciliation every morning. We roll over and we look at each other. You know, it's like it's a constant uh, conversation. Oh, with this person, yeah, yeah. of different colors. Didn't know? we say that today? It was so funny. It was so funny. We're like we're constantly like. Yeah. Well, we work Grace together. Is always right? an issue. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I know it's constant. That's brilliant. Yeah, we need to just put a camera in your house. Like, oh, this is the way it's done. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, can can you speak to what you just said? I mean, I think there's there's that place like you and she and I were saying where you're tired of sometimes just answering all those unending questions that a lot of times you know people can go and discover for themselves if there's really an interest in that um, but can you can you talk about how you feel in those moments and then how you engage <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> how, you, how you engage deeply at, at different times but but then how you feel afterwards or how those relationships go beyond that moment yeah I, I, I think that I've had numerous um, attempts to really create good relationships with women um, of majority culture. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I could say I probably have one or two that I honestly see are really close. But I think as a, as a, you know, a person of a different culture, you're always trying to fit in. Hmm. You're always trying to, hopefully they'll like me <laughs> enough to be part, to be, right. want to be my friend. Or maybe I'd be interesting enough that we can continue this hmm. relationship. I don't know, that seems weird. Those are kind of my thoughts sometimes. Yeah, and, um, and I think I try to come into people's spaces, majority culture spaces, to make them comfortable hmm. with me. Yeah. And when I've, there have been, there has been times I've invited people to come into my space, but it's a little too uncomfortable hmm. and they don't want to stay there. Right. Yeah. So that's recognizable easily, you know. Um, <laughs> and there are times that I have got really excited because maybe someone has invited me to, you know, get a meal or something, get to know each other. And then I spend the entire time just talking about how I came to faith and talking about my background, everything. And then I don't hear from them again, mm -hmm. you know. I feel like I do that a lot. Yeah. And then I come home and I'm frustrated and I feel like, man, I just dumped or I, I, I just tend, I'm not, I feel like the Lord has healed a lot of issues in me, a lot of woundings where it's not a protection thing. You know, I don't let people in my space, but no, I feel like he's given me the freedom. He's, he's, he, he's, um, healed so much of my woundings that I know who I am in Christ and mm -hmm. I can walk out that freedom and I can speak out of that. Um, and so I come like that a lot of times into those relationships, so those opportunities for relationships. And, uh, yeah, I, I walk away and then I'm like, mm, maybe I should have been a little more guarded, you know, uh, those feelings. Uh -huh. So, um, 
Yes, so it's 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 wearing. It gets tiresome, and um, it's easier just to. Yeah, it's it gets complicated, and you're. I feel like. Right. I don't know. There's that word, white fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, it exists. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. oh, she said I'm it. so sorry. She said I'm no, so no, sorry. Do not apologize. I, no. I, I think it's... She it's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> As she said it, she goes, pay attention to this audio. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. And, you know... Well, and you said sometimes you feel like maybe a project or there's a sense of yeah. some paternalism oh, that's yeah. coming in where I'm here right. to help and maybe fix you or well, how can I be of a resource to you mm-hmm. as opposed to how can we walk alongside one another and learn yes. from one another. Yeah, like iron sharpens iron, right? That type of friendship. No, I don't. Yeah. yeah. My best friends are my sisters. Mm-hmm. That's just, I don't know, maybe that's normal too, so most cultures, most family structures. <laughs> what about for you? Yeah, you know, um, and I so appreciate, and I think even just going back to what I said of just I know and so appreciate, and Shania, you know, you've been around for, uh, redemption for so long, you know, mm-hmm. and we've learned so much. And again, there's probably so many things we've said wrong and asked questions that were just like, oh gosh, here we go, you know. Yeah. And so thank you again for the patience in that. I was in my RC, so I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We actually, we're just, we're going to apologize for Dane, actually. So, um, you know, Delfina, there was a moment, it was, um, and I think, I hope it's okay I bring this up, but it was, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. Um, And so, and, but there was the the first time um, you read scripture for us at the church and and I won't share too much there, but just there was just this, there was an eye-opening experience for me to see what it was like for you to do that in a majority culture space at being an, a, a Navajo woman, you know. And it was it was it was such this. I'm learning so much here, and I don't want to say at your expense, but in a sense of like you're having to put yourself in this truly vulnerable position. And Shania, from what I heard you say, it was a similar thing, like that transition here, and all of a sudden you're running with a bunch of people that like now everything's up in the air, and to exist in those spaces, and I think just for us as as the church who wants to see people and love people, is just to truly not like understand the weight of just what presence looks like in the midst of a space that is not deemed your own, you know, and how difficult that is. And so, again, I think it's just more to say thank you again, you know, and I I see that, so. Yeah, I'd like to say, um, so when we, I think the transition of moving, we were here for four years, we've been here for four years, and it was probably like two years ago we made a decision to go, you know, start attending Redemption, make that our church. Prior to that, we were in a smaller church um, that was all native in town, and I mean, I was I was happy. <laughs> in a lot of yeah, ways, no, I was you happy. Can say it. No, I, I could walk in and yeah, yeah, I feel comfortable. Yeah. And I remember Tom, and this is where I needed to trust Tom. This is where he felt like spiritually, this is probably a better place, uh, you know, move for us as a family. 
And I remember kind of fighting that a little bit. Mm. I didn't verbally, I think I was in my heart, I wasn't fully there yet. Yeah. And I remember actually, you know, praying about it. And I remember the Lord, it was a thought, you know, that the Lord just shared, you know, you had this amazing experience of living under res for 20 plus years mm. in your small little native church. And I've blessed you with that time but I want you to step into this mm. place of uncomfortableness mm. because Revelation 7, 9 mm. is the picture that I want. It's gonna be this beautiful, if you're familiar with Navajo you know, rugs, that's what I want it to be. We are all to come together yeah. and, and uh, to be complete. And that was, the prompting, I felt like the Lord was saying. And then when you asked me to step into this other role of right. being at, that was another whole, okay, <laughs> Woo, all right, Lord, this is, I, 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 yes. So I thank you for that opportunity because that's totally the Lord and leading. And there's a need for us to be a body that's beautifully displaying the color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got 25 <laughs> minutes left, and um, you can air all of your grievances yeah. towards us. So <laughs> I think there's there's two main ideas I'd like us to to probably address as we kind of move towards the last 25 minutes here. One of them would be just kind of a general: what does the church need to know? Um, like what are what are and that could be a bit of misunderstandings or just like this is this is just that important would be one side of it and then two is um, and probably it's a part B to that question even of just um, what can we do like what would be this right now go and do this you know type of idea and to give some legs because one of the things we're we're seeing is um, right when the news cycle is over for Black Lives Matter. And it has been in the past. This has happened. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. I'm saying that that's just happened where, okay, the news cycles run its course and it dies out. And then we, we forget about it for a year or two. And then something tragic happens. Mm -hmm. and, and similarly with uh, caring for our indigenous neighbors, um, we don't want this to be, well, we did this talk, mm -hmm. right? That's just unhelpful. Um, and so, again, what are some legs to that? So if we maybe just start with that first end, and I don't know if you want to have anything to add. No, 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 no. I was, I was okay, yeah. Here. So just what, what, what does the church need to know that maybe it doesn't? Do we want to start with Yeah, Shania, we're coming back to you. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I think I wanted to start first with kind of warning my brothers and sisters not to fall into condemnation. Hmm. Um, so there's... I've seen kind of this teeter-tottering between condemnation versus conviction. And mm. so there's so many who are like, oh, I hear the weight of these topics and I'm white and I'm contributing to this. And like, from what I'm seeing, it's condemnation where it's mm. this, which is sin. It's, we are justified before our Lord. Oh, like we have justification and because of Jesus, like there's no wall between myself and Tom or Anthony or anyone else. Um, but I would encourage my brothers and sisters to dig into conviction, to 
lament, as you were saying, Anthony, just the weight of this and the reality that there is this pain. And I think the first kind of step is to educate yourself. And actually, Delphina, what you mentioned about how you go to places and you research who those people were, um, I think that's awesome. I actually wrote that down um, before this kind of as I was thinking through like what what do we do next and it is that educational aspect like when people are hiking down the Grand Canyon like what happened so that you could walk down this canyon like thinking of the Havasupai and how they were stripped of their land and their hunting lands and how they are now confined in the space and those realities just because they're not being taught like we're not getting that side of the story and we're not having that that moment of learning and we're called to seek knowledge um because to have that knowledge then we know how to address those pains and those injuries and to see people um i think i i was thinking a lot of the samaritan woman at the well Hmm. and just how jesus like he just touched the most painful part of her heart and he knew her history and I I think Tom you said it well of just kind of that approaching like the love of the gospel approaching this woman who was in so much pain and had so much weight and so I think those I think that's a good start for us Mm -hmm. um of course it's also I think there's so many other things that we that needs to happen but I think as the first step is that kind of acknowledging and seeking of knowledge and then that reaching out mm-hmm. that's good that's good that's so good um, I think the lament part is that we can enter into that um, and explore that not be guarded against those things um, I was on a zoom call uh, yesterday with a, a, a African-American brother uh, in Washington, D.C., and we were just processing through some things. And he said to me, uh, you know, he just, you know, did you see Roger uh, Goodell, who is the oh, yeah. commissioner, commissioner of the NFL, you know? And I said, well, let me, you know, when I get, when we get done here, I'll, I'll look at it. And so I was watching his statement uh, watching his video and then i reread his statement you know and he came out recently in support of peaceful well peaceful protest uh in in the interview the commentator asked him he says what changed your mind and in response mr goodell said we spent time listening learning and trying to understand you know and and giving themselves that space and according to him, that happened a week and a half before all of this other stuff had happened. So they were apparently in that process of listening and understanding. And he had input from players and different teams. And then he came out to to came out with the position that he's okay with with those things. So I think as a as a church body, I think we need to um, we need to take that posture. Um, you know, we need to listen and we need to learn. And we need to suspend, um, you know, kind of maybe even our world view. Anytime we have things that are pressing in on what, how we know and see things to be, that becomes very threatening. And to be able to identify that and say, you know what, I'm feeling really threatened by this. 
and this doesn't seem to be truth to me. It doesn't seem to line, align with me politically. Uh, uh, it doesn't align with how I was raised or brought up. Um, you know, uh, so to be able to suspend that, I think, is the beginning of the journey of just beginning to understand these things. And, I, and I, I'm a little exhausted by uh, these things uh, being politicized or being captured by certain um, uh, uh, political systems mm -hmm. or groups and saying, well, we own this yeah. part and you right. guys own that right. part. Right. And, and man, I, I just think that's so destructive uh, in the conversation of all of this. So there might be some people that would say, well, you know, these are real liberal views that you're speaking mm -hmm. about. You'd probably be really surprised what my political positions are, <laughs> sure. you know, if we were to go into that. But being among indigenous people for almost three decades, I can tell you these things are real and that I've had to process deeply through these things in order to reconcile many things that we've, that Delphine and I have had to uh, address um, this journey is, uh, I, I don't know it all, um, I, I, I never will, I'm still on the, in this process, I'm still confronted by these things, and the learning curve is, is, uh, is very sharp, and it's very long, mm -hmm. you know, but we have to be willing to, in order to do that, for the sake of the gospel, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, so that we can communicate these things, and we can love people well, you know, so. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, oops, is that that? I was thinking about that and I was, I thought of um, Psalms 139. Mm -hmm. Search me, God, and know my heart. Yeah. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there are any offensive way in me. I think if we posture ourselves before the Lord with this big question of what am I going to do with this that I'm seeing on TV or that the racial tensions that we're seeing um, among I mean what we're seeing in our country um, and the, even this conversation here I think that if we're truly sincere in allowing the Lord to sh shine some light into the areas that are hidden in us he'll do it and I think that I take a lot of all that's happening and I honestly process it through God's word. Mm -hmm. What does justice even mean? What is biblical justice? What is godly justice? Yeah. And scripture lays it out. And uh, the Psalms has been very, it's been a, a healing balm for me lately. That God, you know, we're not seeing the justices I mean, unfortunately, at times, as indigenous people, as people of color in this country. And, and I think I run back to him. And even though the, the just thing doesn't happen in that moment, he's got my back. And, mm -hmm. and um, I, I think I, I, I was talking, I think I was talking to you, Anthony and Kaylee, last week about the old spiritual songs that the slave, the, the, you know, right. the point of, when people, when the African-Americans were in slavery, those spiritual songs carried them through those years right. and sustained them. And I think that 
Indigenous people have done that in a lot of ways too. We've prepared our kids that life is not easy. We've never pampered our kids. We, that life is hard. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard. And getting up in the morning to run and face the day, do you feel the pain? Do you feel the pain of, of this? Because recognize it. You can overcome this. Mm -hmm. Those were my father's teachings. Mm -hmm. You know, the first snow hits and he'd throw us all in the snow. And then you'd feel that stinging of, of the ice on mm -hmm. you. And, wow. and, and some people would say it's abuse. But when you have a loving father standing there saying to you, do you feel it? And he chuckles, well, it's preparing you for life because mm -hmm. life is not easy. And that's from his perspective, from his experience of living life. And so I think that um, we've got to learn to see that everybody of this color. This is just okay. classic redemption flag stuff right here. Okay. So we, uh, my phone died. I think it's a lesson in tithing, personally. Yeah, um, like we, we, we can't could afford hire better equipment. So. Old tech guy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Guys. So my phone died. And so apologies. We're, we're going to uh, get our last 10, 10 minutes or so here with with Tom and Delfina and Shania and Anthony. And um, right before it cut out, <laughs> Anthony came hard. <laughs> I'm so, going to do it again. <laughs> uh, and so we're going to run it back because right. it, it was, it was, it's just absolutely helpful and necessary for us as the church. One, so. I'm, uh, yeah. I, one, I was touching on Delfina has such a sweet walk of the Lord that we need to, feels disingenuous repeating myself. <laughs> she has such a sweet uh, walk with the Lord that we need to look at, like a literal walk with the Lord. Um, is one thing. And then uh, another thing, church, I, that I want us to hear from these voices, uh, two things. It is loving for us to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, white voices, majority culture voices, they're, they're saying, okay, I learned this. Like, so what? Like, that's not loving, like, or that's not gospel work or whatever. And what our indigenous brothers and sisters are saying is, no, that actually is loving. And what I, what I said earlier is we would never say to a man pursuing a woman, you know, don't really get to know her. It's just about marriage. Just, it's just a, like, no, we go, when we, when guys are together talking how to, like, we're like, ask her her favorite color, get to know her background, find out what she like, like, and, and we, this is a loving act for us church to educate ourselves in this way about the true history of the indigenous people. And and, and, and even say, and specifically, yeah. like when you want to love, truly love someone, you you get to know, hey, the the trauma, mm -hmm. the 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 real formative yes. things, right? Yeah. And that's who you're seeking to love is someone who brings the first twenty five, thirty yeah. years of life into your marriage, you yeah. know. So, yeah. And that being said, so where I came, at yeah. them, uh, little, came at you guys a little hard. Uh, you didn't see it. Um, is is this church? Some of us majority culture we're hearing these things from our indigenous brothers and sisters who we love deeply who walk with the lord who know the lord better than we do in a lot of ways and we're saying you know what they're telling me their history is like this they're telling me they've read this history book that says this they're telling me that their their uh family has passed on this like historical story but it doesn't fit my worldview it doesn't quite match up with how I perceive the world. It besmirches things I love. So what we do a lot of times, majority culture church, is we go find a talking pundit, uh, uh, often political, 
and or some talking head somewhere that agrees with us and uh it is a small voice that isn't what the majority of indigenous brothers and sisters believe and church we just gotta stop doing that <laughs> like that's sinful it's sinful to say you know what yeah sure nine out of ten people would say this nine out of 10 indigenous people would say this. I'm going to find the one person that disagrees or paints like history this other way. And then church, I'm also alarmed at how seldom we're listening to true Christian, spiritual indigenous voices or black voices that, and we're just listening to our favorite pundits on these things Mm -hmm. so that we feel better about, okay, well, the world is how I really perceived it. And, and and then here's the other thing, All, all of my friends who are people of color, they often go, okay, I see your perspective. There's even parts of your perspective I can understand. Mm. But what we're doing is we're going and we're finding pundits that just outright go, no, none of their perspective, which church, that's racist. Like it's racist to do that. So stop. So uh, what are what are some other ways that, and this was kind of asked in the chat, what are some other ways we can love and care for uh, Native American people, I, I do think educating ourselves, lamenting all these things you guys mentioned is super important. Are there any other things that come to mind, especially even how you, Delphine, you're, you're saying, oh man, coming into these spaces has been really difficult for me. Um, yeah, anything that comes to mind. Sure. Yeah, Shania, you want to start us? Yeah. I think now that we're still live, um, <laughs> if you want to go ahead and jump back on that. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking of in James when he's telling us, like, if your brother and sister is without clothes and daily food, and if you just go over and wish them well without tending to their physical needs, like, what what good is it? And he goes on to say, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Mm. So I think you have, <laughs> you have Delphine and myself, two indigenous sisters who are saying, we're hurting and we're tired and there's times we felt either not welcome or not understood and so what is then the practical step to be taken Mm. like and then what I love that um, Tom and Delfina have started is the food food boxes like we look at the Navajo Nation and everything that is happening and we are providing them with these Navajo elders with food, and that is such a practical way it is giving, and I think that's something that the community is seeing is these groups coming, and that speaks volumes, I think, more so than people just talking, because I think love is marked by service and not sentiment. Mm. So I think this is a call for the church to move for there to be action and I know there's a calling for in my life um, something that was heavy on my heart that we haven't touched is missing murdered indigenous women mm. Which, and it's just there's there's so many women and girls who are going missing and a lot of that's due to the violence that we see on border towns mm. cities that are bordering reservations and also the racism that we talked about and also, our nation doesn't care. There's little, there's little to no statistics. And so, like a calling for myself um, that God's been moving me towards is addressing that 
and I'm hoping to start a private nonprofit to just kind of bring awareness to these things and to serve um, the Navajo Nation and Northern Arizona with kind of these these actions. And yeah, so I I have so much more to say, but I think that's another conversation. But essentially, it is your neighbors are in need of very tangible things. There are spiritual needs and emotional needs, but then there are also the reality that your neighbors don't have running water. They don't have electricity and they live in a food desert and what is contributing to the lack of infrastructure and things like that, which again, feels like another big conversation, but I think I'm just recognizing that there are structural systems in play and kind of asking people like my brothers and sisters in Christ, like kind of presenting it to you and asking what can you do to show the love and the fullness that Christ brings and how he's incorporated your gifts and how can you use those gifts and callings to help this branch of the body that's hurting. So good. Thanks, Shania. Sorry, I want to say something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think in, uh, I think that was so good, Shania. That, that, that is so true. And there's just so many different things that, Oh, this conversation could just go on and on. And I think, you know, um, from missing and murdered indigenous women to infrastructure within the Navajo Nation, 30 to 40% of the people are without electricity and running water. And, and then we wonder, you know, well, you know, what's going on? Uh, intergenerational uh, families that live under one, one house, one, one home. Um, and, and why are uh, the COVID numbers so high? Right. Um, I, I see these posts and think people saying, well, this is not real, and this is all kind of fabricated, made up. I can tell you that mm. it's real. We just had a conversation yeah. with um, someone this evening who had a brother that just passed away. Uh, those are real. Um, we've been servicing through the food project uh, families that uh, have contracted, one member had contracted uh, a mother and five children one the oldest daughter contracted COVID uh, so they were being isolated and so in order to help them do that well we've been taking food out to them water out to them uh, they live uh, in a, an isolated 20 miles off the road in an isolated uh, uh, one-bedroom structure no electricity no running water and no transportation so mm. I mean we're talking Jeez. some significant right. isolation and I think when we we have no concept of that, um, a lot of people, you know, and that's just, you know, 30 minutes down the road mm-hmm. and we can enter into that world. Um, I, I, I have a strong belief um, that ch- every church within America has an obligation to support uh, uh, native uh, ministries and outreaches. Mm. I believe we owe that. Mm. Um, we can go overseas, we can go and do all these other different things, but right in our back, do- that back door we have hurting um, people that uh, live in third world conditions. Why go overseas right. or go somewhere else when we can just go, and we can do it well, and there's a way to do that well. We have, that's a whole other conversation. I think Shania talked a little bit about that. With you just, mean like a whole bunch of white vans? 
Like, like, yeah, the white, <laughs> right, like the white van ministry that, that, that we see all summer this and everybody just, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the missiology and reaching and, and uh, indigenous people needs to change. Um, and we can't be befuddled and scratching our head why we still are stuck at this number of three to five percent. Yeah. Um, and it's just bad missiology. Yeah. It's, it's come well, into my world, uh, do it my way. Uh, and we don't affirm you and your culture and your identity. Um, and then how do we reach out to the lost? And that's what has really been missing within, um, I think, just good missiology. That's mm-hmm. what's been missing within, yeah, um, you know, when Shania spoke about, um, you know, you forsake all those things. Where's the mobility of the gospel in that? Mm-hmm. We never see that in Scripture. God, you know, Christ always said, go back to your families and tell them what God. And we had this dependence on the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us and guide us and then be given the space to to process through those complicated and difficult um, things of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not talking syncretism here, people. We're talking just walking out the gospel and all yeah. its messiness, yeah. you know, and, and we can do that and we can do that. Do that well. So I think there's an obligation. Um, we do have opportunities for people to donate to the Navajo uh, Hopi Elder uh, Support Project, and we are. Uh, we'll put that link out. Yeah, yeah. And we've delivered over a thousand yeah. boxes of food. Very intentional about who's delivering those. Uh, it's people within the community, and they're the local heroes. That's right. That's they're the ones that are yep. going out there, and they're loving their people. They're checking on their people. It has been an amazing process. It's been good for the volunteers on, on our end in mm-hmm. Flagstaff. They have come out in, in mass numbers, and it's been beautiful to watch all this and thank all of you uh, that who have done that and who have come out. Um, you know, And then also our volunteers on Hopi. Hmm. and our volunteers on Navajo, and to be able to empower them during this time, uh, I think is just going to, many years from now, they're going to look back and say, when COVID and all this craziness was happening, we were loving our people. We were given the opportunity to love our people. So the project's still going, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, yeah, um, that's that's one way that that, uh, we can serve. I think you said it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit yes, excited. Did. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so I think everyone said at some point that this is this is tip of the iceberg. This is whatever cliche and idiom you can come up with. Say there is hours and hours and hours of more uh, conversation that needs to be had, even and and. Um, you know, we, we hope to continue those conversations. I know it's something that's very near and dear to the elders here at Redemption is is how do we continue to navigate these conversations in healthy ways, empowering ways. Um, but really to, to really put what Delfina said uh, back to us of saying there are resources we're going to send out. We said this to you last week as well in regards to how to approach the resources that Denae Pierre shared with us in engaging, loving our black neighbors uh, and understanding the history there. Um, when we send out this resource list, we're going to ask you to at least pick up one of the books on the resource list for yourself and then pick up one for someone else as well. And so, again, we're, we want to learn, but we also want to be uh, propagators of, 
of good material and continue to kind of spread this to other people. Uh, and then one movie. So you, we're doing one book and one movie, and it doesn't have to be this week. You don't have to finish it. But as we sent the list, identify that one. If you can't afford it, we will buy it for you. Anthony personally will buy it for you probably. Um, and so, no, we will purchase it for you if that if that's a if that's a hindrance. This is a very practical way, and then we'll send out the links for other ways to help. Um, and then lastly, I just ask, would you please just be praying for the Navajo Nation, the Hopi Nation, because of, uh, not just because of COVID, but because of everything we've heard tonight and just the realities, the systems, the brokenness, the pain, and just remembering like these are, they're, they're humans. Like these are, are like created in the image of God, brothers and sisters underneath the banner of heaven. Um, and so just please pray and advocate and, and be people that are of Jesus. So um and will you pray for us actually you know it's just will you pray for us Delfina? Yeah, sure. that'd probably be better uh than hearing from one of us again yeah. so yeah lord thank you so much for creating this space and opportunity to just share from our hearts the things that we heavy on on our hearts and just um actually on my thoughts as well i thank you for this time to just be vulnerable and to share things that may not even be um, in people's radar, Lord. Um, and I guess I say this also knowing that we are the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters. And just like Shania said, when a part of a body is hurting, the others should step in and help. And uh, alleviate some of the pain and um, in this country there has been decades of that hundreds of years where uh, we have been hurting so Lord I just pray that you would give us new insight allow us to see each other through your eyes through the lenses of your word that you love us and that you created each and every one of us for good and that we are good and that you have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I pray that um, Isaiah 58 would be real in our lives. Mm -hmm. True fasting, Lord, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So I pray that and I, I pray that you would also challenge uh, the body here in, in that moving forward, Lord. What do we do next? So, Lord, I, I, I just pray this over it. I pray that you would reign supremely mm. above all this. And, Lord, we do glorify you. We glorify you. And in moments like this, absolutely, we, we cry out, Lord, come, come. It's too much to bear sometimes. Mm. But you carry us through it, each and every one of us. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. We, we praise your holy name. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Shania, thanks so much for joining us from Chinle in this strange format. You look great uh, on the TV. So you're, you're absolutely glowing. Tom and Delfina, we love you guys. Thank you so much.